as Felix Hernandez has been moved to the pen. This is absolutely heartbreaking. And it, and it comes on the heels of like one of those plays that just makes you feel uh, really warm and happy inside where, uh, where Felix Hernandez got Adrian Beltre swinging on like this Bugs Bunny curveball. And, uh, and Beltre's just shaking his head and Felix Hernandez is, um, is cracking up on the mound, like bent over in laughter. And then like a few days later, he gets moved to the bullpen. And I'm like, I, I just felt like the rug was pulled out from under me. Like all this joy and, and fun that we had is like very quickly coming to an end. And he's only like 32 also, which is, I don't know. It feels like he's been around forever at this point, but yeah. this just makes me, makes me really, really sad. It feels like the entire early 2010s was just him deserving Cy Young awards and not getting them. And then finally getting one because whatever the, the voting group was that year finally realized that he deserved it, even though he didn't have enough fucking pitcher wins. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, he's got a lot of mileage on that arm. Like when you watch him pitch, it's not exactly coming easy. He's putting a lot of effort into each pitch. And so his decline has been steeper than some. Like steeper than a Justin Verlander who has a pitcher perfect delivery and uses his lower half a lot. And not that Felix doesn't, but it's like I'm looking at the MLB.com story about him moving to the pen. And it's just like Felix embraces pen roll, but vows to start again. And then like the header photo is just a photo of him throwing that, like you said, Bugs Bunny curveball. And his arm is just like bending in ways that it shouldn't. And he's like standing straight <laughs> up. And I'm like, eh, I kind of see how we got to this point. Uh, yeah, it's rough, man. He's had a precipitous fall from grace. Um, and it's kind of disheartening to like take a look at his velocity graph, um, which is tracked back to, to 2007. And it's just a downward slope. Like he does not maintain any of that, like some of the other pitchers we've seen. And part of it is like they rode him really hard, right? I mean, he, he pitched 250 innings back in 2010 and he's topped 230 more than a handful of times. I mean, they, they rode him really hard. And frankly, it, it hurts me that he may not even get to see the postseason, you know, like, like one would think that they, the Mariners could have stumbled into it one year and, and he would have given him a, them a real chance for that. But I, I don't know, this, this makes me feel really, really bad. Yeah, it'll be really disappointing if we see them finally. I mean, for your sake, I don't want them to break their playoff streak. But that being said, unless the Yankees fall totally off the wagon. But it'll be really disappointing if we see them break their streak of not making the postseason and he doesn't even get to start like in the ALDS because the reason that they were riding him so hard for all those years was so that they had a prayer of making the postseason. And he was like their only legitimate starting pitcher just now while you were talking I, I looked up uh the Mariners career innings pitched leaders and he's at the top with 2600 innings and next is Jamie Moyer who you know hasn't been part of trying to drag them out of their playoff drought and then it's Randy Johnson and Mark Langston and just a, a list of guys who are not still playing Mike Moore um, and then you have to go all the way down to six before you get to a, a player who's still playing. And it's Freddie Garcia who, you know, he's bounced around to a bunch of different teams since he's not Wait, even Freddie Garcia is still playing. <laughs> I, I think in theory, he's still active because he hasn't like, retired yet. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, he's in the minors, I guess. I don't know. Hard to tell. Oh, he's pitching for a triple A team in Mexico. 
(laughs) I don't really know. Um, But that's my point is that you have to go way, way down. And then, you know, the next active player who I actually recognize is Jason Vargas, who (laughs) didn't really have much to do with pulling the Mariners out of a playoff drought either. So it's like, and then you go down even further and it's, it's James Paxton. And he's at 561 career innings pitch for the Marlins. So it's like... We're digging at the bottom of the well here. Exactly. So Felix was really like the entire Mariners pitching staff for the better part of a decade. And it would be really sad to see if he can't at least be some kind of part, which is why I think like he's probably embracing his role in the the pen. So it's a little bit CC Sabathia-esque. Yeah, I think that like he could make it work. I mean, they had to do this, right? He has has been quite bad this year and that's probably an understatement like he's actively hurting their chances to get to the postseason with every start that he makes um and you know maybe he maybe he takes the offseason to adjust to a new role and like has a second career in the bullpen i'm not opposed to that i think it could happen if it just takes a little training and rejiggering of your mindset so i would enjoy that and i I do want to say if nothing else, we got to see Felix Hernandez throw a perfect game, and at least he has his name in the in the record books that way. And that was that was absolutely incredible to watch when it happened back in 2012. Which yeah. actually we're coming up on the anniversary of that in a couple of days. So oh yeah, I, I'm I'm glad he has that underspell. Yeah, August 15th. Oh wow, that's cool. That's my grandmother's birthday. Anyway, <laughs> um. <laughs> Well, pour one out for Felix. We'll pour one out for Felix. I don't have anything to pour out right here. I'll pour out some iced coffee. Shake that next to the microphone so you guys can know that I did it. Uh, From one player that we absolutely unconditionally love to another player that we don't feel that way about. Noted Trumper Jason Wirth was in the news recently for going on the Howard Eskin podcast. Is he a Trumper? I I guess I missed that. Pretty sure. You slandered Jason Wirth on this podcast. There, There are worse people to slander. Yeah, Washington Post. Jason Worth was, quote, really inspired after attending State of the Union address. Solid. <laughs> Either noted Trumper or noted State of the Union enthusiast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, noted Trumper Jason Worth was in the news this past week for a couple of different things, both of which I'm angry about. Number one, not surprisingly, was that he called every team personally to try to get a chance at continuing in the majors because the Nationals didn't re-sign him. He called every single team except the Mets, which is the most on-brand move. I almost like, I'm I'm mad, but I almost respect it because it's yeah. like he's made a career out of just dunking all over the Mets. <laughs> I know. This is, yeah, what a way to like go out, right? And secondly, he took this opportunity on the Howard Eskin podcast who, if you don't know Howard Eskin, he's like a Philadelphia sports radio personality. He's um he's had some some questionable comments about the Sixers and the process and and Joel Embiid in general. You should look into it if you really care. But he took this opportunity being on Howard Eskin's podcast to essentially just rail against analytics, just baseball analytics. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Quote." They've got all these super nerds in the front office that know nothing about baseball, but they like to project numbers and project players. I think it's killing the game. It's to the point where just put computers out there. Just put laptops and what have you. Just put them out there and let them play. We don't even need to go out there anymore. It's a joke. And then he continues to say, when they come down, these kids from MIT, Stanford, Harvard, wherever they're from, they've never played baseball in their life. 
when they come down to talk about stuff like that shifts should i just bun it over there they're like no don't do that we don't want you to do that we want you to hit a homer so is he trying to say he doesn't want to hit homers alex explain this for me yeah i'm i'm really con- confused actually by a, by a lot of things here okay you're turning players into robots he says which is really not true at all actually <laughs> Um, he, he says, we're creating something that's not fun to watch to which I say you, it's so easy to ignore all of this. And we've said this on the podcast before, but like, if you really hate analytics so much, just like close your eyes, bro, shut the laptop. You don't have to listen to anyone talking about analytics or something like that. And even if you're talking about it from like the perspective of a player, like you're still going out there and playing baseball every day. And you're upset that like people are coming down and giving you more information to like become a better baseball player. I guess I, I get, I disagree with, but I understand why sports columnists and fans and what have you love to like rail against sabermetrics and be like, it's ruining the game. Like stop yelling about Woba to me, but like for a player to be actively stop upset yelling at about a front Woba office, my new Twitter bio. <laughs> stop yelling about Woba to me. We could make a woke baseball at drill account. <laughs> and yeah. that would be our first tweet. Stop yelling about Woba to me. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Go ahead. I just I just don't get it, man. I mean, I appreciate that he's giving us this content because it's tremendous content. We've got all these super nerds. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah, we should just put laptops out there. I would I would watch that. It's a very Trumpian argument, right? He's railing against like smart things. Like he's railing against like education. It's, it's the whole, like, this is something that I don't understand, and therefore it makes me really angry. Yeah, exactly. It's benefited him, though. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. not like the Nationals weren't looking at these things throughout his time there. You know? It's not like he didn't get hundreds of millions of dollars because they were like, he's still passable at a corner outfield position. When they, when he signed it, he was you know fucking civ by, the, by halfway through the contract. But <laughs> he's still passable, he has a decent arm, and he fucking rakes. And he's going to be our first guy that we're going to invest in. You don't think any sabermetrics went into that decision? I think sabermetrics went into that decision to give him whatever, $100 million, whatever his contract was. It just feels like a very, it's like, it's low hanging fruit for a baseball player who's like just recently out of the game. Yeah, it's just kind of a tired argument. I'm like, dude, this was interesting maybe a few years ago, but like get some new talking points at this point. Oh, these nerds haven't played the game before. Like I remember reading about this stuff in like, 2011 like just just come up with something more interesting at the very least if you're gonna rail against stats come on jason i was reading about this before homeroom and i'm graduating college now (laughs) (laughs) all right i don't have anything more to say about this and we're trying to move quickly today so uh we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back you know we're gonna yell about other things that aren't jason So we're big fans of Atlanta Braves broadcaster Joe Simpson on this podcast. Um, He made headlines a a couple weeks ago as being uh, part of the duo to rail against the Dodgers taking batting practice in shorts and t-shirts. So we're big, big fan of his opinions over here. I can't even kind of dignify that opinion as an opinion. (laughs) 
I just laugh every time. I know it's, it's too good, but, uh, but he went even further this week and, uh, and strayed into, uh, into some murky waters with a comment that he made, uh, about, uh, Washington Nationals 19 year old phenom Juan Soto. The murky waters were that he suggested that Juan Soto isn't actually 19. Um, this is, I can't uh, believe we're still doing this. I, I can't, I seriously can't believe we're doing this in 2018. Yeah. He, he said on the broadcast, he's like, he is, if he's 19, he's certainly got his man growth. Oh, his man growth. Okay. Uh, he's big and strong. (laughs) Um, and it was just a throwaway comment that he was making when talking about Juan Soto, but it is so telling about just like what, uh, people like him kind of uh, think about Latin American born players. And for him to suggest that Juan Soto is lying about his age is uh, it's racist. Frankly, do you, do you have thoughts on this? Though uh, that is one of my thoughts. Another thought is that, like you said, tired argument in 2018, but also like the Nats signed him when he was 16 which would indicate that they were scouting him since he was like 12. So do you really think that he was like 12, but actually what, like 15 at the time and no one realized that it's this thing where traditional baseball people don't acknowledge the Dominican Republic and other South American countries as part of the baseball world. You know what I mean? They, they think it's like this very nebulous, ambiguous place and that sort of, uh, grants them the opportunity to just like what Kelly was talking about, just ignore the plight of the people there and ignore the poverty that teams are going in and picking players out of. It's all part of this larger umbrella of this isn't really a place that I have to think about in my daily life. And therefore Juan Soto is not a, is not a person who has gone through the same uh, American ideals of, we know this much about him. We have his birth certificate on record, all these different things. It's just, uh, it's washing away his personhood. And you got to love that from people who are employed by MLB teams. Yeah. And I mean, we haven't had any controversies around anything involving age, age fraud or anything like that. Like this is, this has happened on a rare occasion in the MLB before, but like for your mind to just like jump to that and be like, well, he comes from this lawless place where you can just make up your age. uh, Like it's, it's really bizarre, frankly. It's fucking tired and and people who have platforms should stop doing it. Yeah. It's not something that we should be discussing. (laughs) And like, I, I, I don't even really have a more sophisticated take on that. And he, apologized for it but i don't know i think it it says a lot that that was your like freudian slip to just like automatically assume that he's lying about his age that's it's very telling well also his comments indicate that like he's better than he should be at this point you know and that's true like he's 19 and he's awesome in the major leagues and he's better than most people are at this point but to automatically assume that he's this good because he's not actually 19 like he has his what man growth is that what he said man strength whatever yeah, he called it yeah man, yeah man man growth to automatically assume that it's because he's in some way being disingenuous and not just because he's better than everyone else is again like you said racist 
Yeah. I'm, I'm going to assume that Joe Simpson said the same thing about Bryce Harper when he came up too, right? Because Bryce Harper was also uh, incredible when he made his debut. There's no way he could have been 19. No, and not at all. He's from Nevada. We don't have the same records. You know, birth certificates don't cross state lines. So <laughs> we don't know how any of that works. I, I will take this opportunity to say that Juan Soto is arguably the most fun player in baseball right now. And he's doing that at 19 years old. And if you're not watching him, you absolutely should be because he's the future of baseball. Go watch a video of him taking a walk and tell me that three true <laughs> outcomes isn't the greatest thing. <laughs> <laughs> this dude can take a walk like nobody, nobody I've ever seen. He's like Joey Votto except 19. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Juan said is awesome. Baseball is good. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. let's move on. I came across, I was scrolling Instagram at work because oftentimes I'm either swamped at work or doing absolutely nothing at work. So I was scrolling Instagram and I came across MLB Cup 4 um, and they posted the very iconic shot of Barry Bonds with both hands straight up in the air after he hit 756. Um, And they said, 11 years ago today, Barry Bonds made history. And because I'm a trash person, I like to read the comments. (laughs) Of a lot, like all posts. I read the comments of many tweets um, just to kind of see where the the toxicity of social media is at these days. I like to compare between Twitter and Instagram and see which place is more toxic. And Instagram does a much better job. Although in this instance, I was reading the comments and it's just a, I mean, you can probably imagine what the comments on this post are like, but it's just a cesspool of people like screaming about how Barry Bonds was a cheater and how Hank Aaron is actually still the home run king or people being like face the facts snowflakes this is this is what it is now deal with it he's the home run leader all these different things and I don't know why it struck a chord with me and why I screenshotted it and wanted to come back to it for the next time we talked but there's something there man there's something about the residual anger that people still have 11 years later towards Barry Bonds for his alleged steroid use and you know the peds and that not, era. I, w- I will say it was not alleged he absolutely used steroids yeah okay but well some of the comments in there are just straight up like conspiracy theorists that he was like thrown into the fucking balcor report or whatever and um all these different <laughs> things like he wasn't using steroids like he all right yes he used steroids but there's something there in the residual anger i think that I don't know why it bothers me, but it, it really does. It's like people can't let go and uh, they're like pining for this ideal version of the game before steroids ever came into it and ruined it for them. And it's almost like anything since then, anything since steroids changed the game. And since uh, we weren't uh, falling in love with guys who were hitting 265 but could steal a couple bases and would slide a lot and get their pants dirty. I don't know why it bothers me so much. Do, do you have feelings about this? Like, do you have feelings about the the continuous hatred towards Barry Bonds, even though he would have been probably the best player in the game had he not taken steroids? I have many feelings about this, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't even know where to start. And we should say that, like, this is it's an especially timely conversation because the Giants retired his number this weekend, which is why a lot of these conversations have resurfaced about like whether or not he belongs in the Hall of Fame. And Willie Mays made a very impassioned case for um, for why Bond should be in the Hall of Fame. And he 
probably should, right? Like he's a part of the history of the game. There's like you ignoring that doesn't really does does a disservice. I leave the probably out. He should definitely be in the Hall of Fame. But continue. Okay. Yeah. No. I mean, it's like a museum. There's really no reason to pretend like this era of the game never happened, right? Like Sammy Sosha should be in the Hall of Fame. Like these all these players who used just pretending that it didn't happen does nothing to like erase their names from the record books. So yeah, it's cognitive um, dissonance at large by the entire MLB. And I feel like the cognitive dissonance is just laying the foundation for all of this anger that's still there. And all of this like fuck baseball. I hate baseball for all these different reasons for steroids, for bat flips, for all these things, for taking the manliness out of the game, for letting these players do whatever they want. And I feel like it's all part of this same concoction that people are just brewing with these negative feelings towards baseball and i hate it i hate that people can't just accept the fact that barry bonds hit 756 home runs no matter how he hit them like that's an insane amount of home runs and he was so good and part of it i mean for me part of my like generally speaking i dislike barry bonds because i think that he's a and not a very good person. Like he's an asshole. Yeah. And I hate I hate Mark McGuire the same way, right? Like I don't think Jose that Canseco, you can, Rafael Palmero. Jose Canseco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, actually, no, I'm a Rafael Palmero stand. Uh he, he <laughs> lied to, to Congress. To you. Are you <laughs> he lied to Congress? Are you kidding me? Icon. Dude's a fucking icon. <laughs> um <laughs> he's a rebel icon. For real. <laughs> but I, you know, there's something about it that does kind of leave a, a bad taste in my mouth, in part just because of the personalities that these guys hold. I mean, Barry Bonds was a, also a domestic abuser. And I think that that's something that often gets left out of the of the conversation yeah. um, about his like accomplishments and just like whether it's like either it's black and white. It's either like Barry Bonds is good, put him in the Hall of Fame, seal the deal, or Barry Bonds cheated, therefore he's bad and we should like erase his name from history. And it's like, it's an obscuring of a much more complicated figure that had a lot of very high like highs and a lot of lows and to basically kind of wipe away all of the the like personality from him and the the off-field stuff and all this stuff um and literally just look at like that 762 number i think does a real disservice to a lot of things including the game of baseball itself yeah and I think that that's part of the reason why um, it makes me very uncomfortable when these conversations come up um, is because he like he was a real dick. And and that's probably why not why a lot of people are upset at him. I think I think it's just very easy to be like, ah, steroid trash, like get him out of here. And that's not and why maybe any people are upset about him. That that that's sort of my that's sort of my thing with this Instagram post is that I'm scrolling through the comments. I've been eating it and scrolling through the comments the entire time we've been talking about this, and there's not one comment that's not about steroids. There's not one comment about his complicated domestic abuse history. There's not one comment about him as a person other than just steroids or home runs. Yeah. It's it's this kind of cleansing of the person beyond like what they did on the field. And I mean, you know, we, this happens all the time. This is not exclusive to Barry Bonds. This is a conversation that we're still having about active players today. But it's, it's, he has, he leaves behind a very complicated legacy. And I think that like 
personally, it's easier for me to accept someone like Bartolo Colon or Robinson Cano, players who were suspended for uh, PED usage, because I think that they were mostly just having fun with the game. And I don't think that there was, like, to my knowledge, there was no real negative impact um, on or off the field. And they're both very fun players, and I'm, I enjoy that. Um, but Barry Bonds, I think, makes me... Uh, he kind of just makes my skin crawl. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. And we've talked about that before, or at least you and I have talked off mic about like Barry Bonds as a person, Barry Bonds as a complicated figure in baseball history. I just don't know why. I mean, I guess I do know why, but it's just disappointing how every time we come back to a conversation like this, it's like certain players are afforded in conversation and in the historical debate they're afforded moral complexity and they're afforded nuance in the way people talk about them like i'm thinking of pete rose i'm thinking of lenny dykstra i'm thinking of all of these different people who are thought of as like they were great when they were on the field but they were fucking up in other ways and it's like guess what barry bonds was great when he was on the field and maybe he was fucking up in other ways but if you put a picture of Pete Rose and people would have a lot of different things to say underneath other than just like he bet on games, you know, and maybe it's, maybe it's nitpicking a little bit just because like the post itself was about the home run record. And that's just opening up a firestorm in the comments, but it's almost, it's like every time we talk about Barry Bonds, we're talking about steroids and that's it. It's like, it's whitewashing baseball history. And it's also like whitewashing the social implications of baseball players in the past. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. And and ultimately, like I think he should be in the Hall of Fame because he, like it or not, whether you think that he ultimately had a, a net positive or a net negative on the game itself, I think you can't deny it at all, right? Like I was saying, like just ignoring it will not make it go away. Do the Giants have to retire his number? That's maybe a little more of a complicated question because that's that's a decision that they're making on a on a very team based level, and they have the opportunity to take into account uh, moral character and something like that. And I mean, the Giants were never not going to retire his number, right? Like it was always going to happen. Yeah. So maybe it's a moot conversation anyway. Um, but yeah, I just I think that. When we have these conversations, we need to make sure that we're talking about the the full scope of these things. And that goes for every player. That goes for Pete Rose, you know? Um, that goes for Bobby Cox or whoever else. Yeah. Just reducing these players to like one-dimensional people who exist for our entertainment and excusing any abhorrently poor behavior yeah. elsewhere, uh, I think ultimately does a, a disservice to the game that we all know and love and doesn't necessarily leave it better off than it was. Uh, as we say often on this podcast, it's the year 2018, <laughs> and we are surprised about many things that are still happening, or many things that have just come about. 
One of which being, Fernando Rodney can relieve Edwin Jackson on the Oakland <laughs> Athletics, a team that is now in prime position to make the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about that? That makes me so happy, I guess. I'm very, I'm just, I'm happy and also really confused. You know, it's like a confused happy. It's like, it's, it's like the, uh, it's like the Nick Young meme where like, <laughs> I'm like laughing as I, as I cock my head to the side because I really have no fucking clue what's going on. Uh, yeah. If you would have told me at the beginning of the season that Edwin Jackson and Trevor Cahill, uh, were going to carry the A's to a potential postseason bid. I, I probably would have laughed in your face and then blocked you on Twitter. Um, but here blocked we are, on man. Twitter, what a flex! Yeah, that's yeah, real flex, man. I would have unfriended you on Facebook. Can I just? Uh, I I need to do something. I need yes. Edwin Jackson's Wikipedia page is a treasure trove. Are you ready for this? Yes. First of all, his birthday is coming up, September 9th, nineteen eighty three. Do you want to guess oh. what country he's from? It's not the United States. Uh, it's no longer a country. I'll give you that hint. It's no longer <laughs> a country. Uh, the USSR. No, he was born in West Germany. That is some <laughs> Cold War shit, my guy. <laughs> wow, that's wonderful. 1983, he's 34 years old, which is like not even that old. It's crazy that people still pitching in the MLB have like World War or... or have cold war fallout (laughs) that's insane okay here's another thing so you know like wikipedia has the contents section and you can like click down into the different sections and whatnot it's just like early life okay it's fine professional career and then listed underneath it is just all of the teams that he's played for i'm gonna take a deep breath and i'm gonna try to read them all at the same time Los Angeles Dodgers, Tampa Bay Rays, Detroit Tigers, Arizona Diamondbacks, Chicago White Sox, St. Louis Cardinals, Washington Nationals, Chicago Cubs, Atlanta Braves, Miami Marlins, San Diego Padres, Baltimore Orioles, second stint with Washington, and Oakland Athletics. <laughs> My man has really, he's traversed the world in his 34 uh, he years. Has, he's been around the block and then some. And uh, it all ties nicely with last night. He was the pitcher on the mound for that credible Ramon Laureano throw. Yeah, and I want to point out, I mean, you know, 54-inning sample, but he's currently in the midst of his best season right now. (laughs) At 34 years old with the Oakland A's on his uh, 13th major league team. What a trip, man. I can't even with this. What a trip. Speaking of trips, before we got on, before we started recording, we were talking about how... uh, it's weird. It's a weird week because one of your favorite players of all time, Eric Chavez, is back in the news. What's up with Eric Chavez? Yeah. First of all, I want to say I like that we're getting back to our bread and butter of just like talking about old players who we really like. This is like a this is like a week two uh, segment for us. You should be like, so what are some players who are like really old and like in their late thirties who probably aren't playing anymore that we had a lot of fun watching? <laughs> we we did, we did a whole a whole segment about um, injured players who would have been really fun if their careers had continued. Like that gave us an excuse to talk about Grady Sizemore for seven minutes. That was minutes a good segment. Reason. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I know. That was fun. It was, it was very enjoyable. Grady Sizemore I love going was down like these five tool icon. <laughs> he absolutely was. Um, five tool icon yeah, my boy is my Eric Chavez. Name. Jesus Christ. 
uh, Eric Chavez is back in the news because he he was serving as like a special assistant to the GM for the Angels, and then he took over as their AAA coach. He's had no coaching experience whatsoever, but he's now coaching at AAA and simultaneously had his name floated to take over for Mike Sosha at the end of the year. Uh, I This is a weird way for his name to resurface, but I don't hate it because I love Eric Chavez and I want the best for him because he had a very sad end to his career. It was like, that wasn't like the Felix Hernandez, like fast decline. That was like, slowly watching a man like march toward his death for like nine seasons. Yeah. I mean, that hurt to watch. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I wish all the best for him. I hope he takes over and leads Mike Trout to his uh, first World Series championship. What a weird sentence. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had Eric Chavez all those years and I had Andy Chavez who, who made that incredible catch in the NLCS. Yeah. And, uh, Different career trajectories, that's for sure. But Andy Chavez was fun, so I feel like yeah. I feel a little bit of solidarity with you. <laughs> um, for having an E Chavez on your team, yeah, E Chavez, man, not remotely the same at all. Eric Chavez no. had an incredible career. He won six straight Gold Gloves at third base in the AL. I know, and I think three of those were when Alex Rodriguez was playing third base for the Yankees. So, like, one of the best shortstops in the league moving to third base and Eric Chavez was still like, Psh, I'm a better fielder than you. <laughs> He's still one of my favorite all time players. And I mean, we, we mentioned this before going on the air, but like he basically only had seven seasons where he played most or all of the year. And, and then he literally just could not stay healthy for the rest of his career, but he hit two seven in that span. He hit two seventy and averaged like 30 home runs a year. I, like if you keep that up, you, I don't know, you start to put yourself in contention for like among the best third basemen of all time. But I think people mostly just think of that like latter half where he like randomly played for the Yankees a little bit and went to Arizona too and was still kind of good. But uh, funny story, he wasn't able to stay healthy. And then he retired at 36, and now he's coaching AAA. So. In 2012, 2012, he played 113 games for the Yankees, and he hit 280, he slashed 281, 348, 496 with, uh, with 30 walks. And, and, only, yeah, and only struck out 59 times. That's insane. 16 home runs, too. Yeah. He only had 278 yeah, at-bats, but still. He was showing impressive plate discipline for basically his entire career. Eric Chavez was and still is the answer to three true outcomes baseball. True. Uh, like you were saying, Matt Chapman is just Eric Chavez, but from the right side of the plate. <laughs> That's literally who he is. That's who we're getting to watch. And it's wonderful. Huh. So you said a line that struck a chord with me. You said, if, uh, if Felix Hernandez was a precipitous decline, then Eric Chavez was just a slow death march. Slow death march could go on um, the David Wright Mets fandom tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> Though, we did get some good news recently. Um, so if you haven't heard, David Wright is playing in a Class A game today. We're recording this on Sunday. But um, he's actually starting a real rehab assignment. And a lot of the Mets reporters are talking about how this is the first real step that the organization has taken towards him actually making a comeback since like 2016. 
um, which was the last time he played a big league game. May 27th, 2016 was the last time David Wright played a big league game. That's truly wild. God. I know. I have a lot of feelings about this. I'm unstable, but in a in a good way. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes, I think so. I'm unstable, but I'm welcoming it. Because I'm never expecting him to be a regular thing in my life ever again. But I would give almost anything just to see him come up to the plate like a couple more times. I know. Because it, it was there and then it was just it was just gone all of a sudden. And like I didn't properly miss it because the Mets were still good. And so I was like, well, it sucks, but at least he'll be around the team and you know, they have a playoff run and all these different things. Like he was on the team in 2015, but he only played 38 games. And he played in the playoffs, but he wasn't himself. Uh even though he did hit 289. Damn. He's an icon. Um I just now that the Mets are sort of like in this morose malaise that they're in where they're just like winning 65 games and an absolute dumpster fire and totally underperforming. I I'm getting feel like shades of the feelings that I had in like the early 2010s. And I'm just like, the only thing at that point in my life was David, right? (laughs) And then shortly thereafter, Jacob deGrom, but he was like really the only thing that I had to rely on. So like, if I could just see it just a couple more times, just him coming up to bat for a fucking terrible Mets team, (laughs) it would mean the world (laughs) to me. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And like as as a as a, just a general fan of baseball, I think that that would be enjoyable. And and that said, I am bracing for the fact that it it will mostly look like agony because he has not played baseball since 2016, more or less. I mean, you know, he's been doing the old like dry swings and like making progress, quote unquote, in his return from his injury yeah. or injuries, but. I don't know, man. I I want I want the world for him. I want him to tear up uh, single A and and get called up. And uh, he takes over at third base, and he looks like his old self, Captain America. And he just goes back out there and and kills it in the last month of the season. I am bracing for for that not to happen. But I will say that even just seeing him on the field will. I'm sure for Mets fans just feel like a breath of fresh air that will just like take your mind off everything else that is going on. Yeah. And it is insane that he has not played since like 2016. Like that's a ridiculous amount of time to just essentially be out of affiliated baseball and, and returning from an injury. So I do, I do wonder what he's going to look like when he comes back. When I think about David Wright, the lasting memories will be two things. Number one, it'll be, him hitting two home runs in the last game that I ever saw at Shea Stadium and the Mets still finding a way to blow like a five-run lead with their bullpen. It's fucking great. Pedro Feliciano, what a, what a, what a trip. And the second thing will be after they won the NLCS, just the interview that he gave with Steve Gelbs for SNY after they found out they were going to the World Series. And just it was just a great, I hate to say bookend to his career because it was very clear at that point that it was like, on the downturn and we weren't really sure what David Wright we were going to get for the future. But I will always remember that just like him getting showered and talking about like all of the terrible moments that he had with this franchise, but how he wanted to stick it out with them. Um, those will be the lasting moments. So even if he comes back and looks terrible, it won't stick for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> my, I, I gotta say, and this is no shade to David Wright, 
But my my lasting impression of David Wright is when he uh, beat out Eric Sogard in the in the fan vote for face of the MLB back in 2014 because uh, because the MLB I don't know if you remember this but the MLB pulled some shenanigans and bought some votes from somewhere in China to make sure that Eric Sogard would not win the uh, the face of the MLB vote because uh, because the two of them had made it to the final round and Sogard was absolutely going to win until um, mysteriously thousands of votes poured in overnight on the last night of voting <laughs> from uh, from like China or something like that. I like how... Um, <laughs> I like how you're mad about something that happened in 2014 for Eric Sogard. Absolutely. For yes, I am. Who hit <laughs> who hit uh 298 with one home run that year. Face of the MLB. <laughs> of course I'm mad that about that. That is super I, on brand for you. I love it. <laughs> I I love that like he's still the captain too. Like yeah. the New York Daily News, their headline is that rehabbing Mets captain. And I'm like David Wright is still the captain of the Mets. Like, I know that's not a title. You can just like strip for him just because he's rehabbing. But like, do you think that anyone else in the clubhouse is sitting there like pulling at the collar being like, so uh, we've got no captain around here. Does anyone else want to want to step up and take the mantle since (laughs) David's out there in St. Lucie? I mean, who the hell else is going to do it? I don't know. Fucking as Drupal Cabrera would have been the captain before they got traded to the Phillies. Okay. I'm going to take us out with this because we're very sad about the fact that we don't get to do Tim Tebow Power Hour anymore. So uh, this is going to replace it. A tweet that we saw from at Twinkle Mets that I sent to you and said, we're talking about David Wright for an hour. Um, Thankfully, we didn't actually talk about David Wright for an hour. We had better conversations for the first hour. But uh, I'll take us out with this. It says, wow, Tim Tebow sacrificed himself so David Wright could live in the minors. It's all so inspiring. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, I'm glad we still get a little Tebow content here, you know, and, and frankly, Tebow is the, the bigger person, you know, he, he, he crawled up onto that cross so that David Wright could, could make his return. So true. We started off the episode with Ramon Laureano channeling the, the spirit of Johannes Cespedes, and we end with David Wright um, taking the strength of Tim Tebow and, and bringing himself back to life. <laughs> My hands up, I let go. My mouth is getting cold. I know they come and go. La 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 la. My wrist is stuck on froze. Places that I can't go. Niggas that I don't know. La 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 la. All right, thank you everyone for listening to this week's episode of Tipping Pitches. Um, we're trying to have a lot of fun with it. It's it's a bit of the dog days of August of the baseball season, right, Alex? that it is although i'm having fun i don't know about you but i'm enjoying it all the way i mean the a's are the most fun story in baseball right now so you should be having fun (laughs) um yeah try to have fun with this episode so hopefully you had fun listening uh if you have suggestions for things you want us to talk about while uh you know the mlb is kind of in this period of very boring baseball (laughs) Uh, we're very open to them so if there's a topic that we've never crowds crowdsourcing our content yeah just reaching out be like what do you guys want to hear if there's a topic that we haven't covered that you think is right up our alley that we're very open to it because quite often 
the podcast is just us sitting down on Sunday morning and being like, so did you see anything this week that you wanted to talk about? (laughs) (laughs) Going back through our Twitter DMs and being like, what things have we sent to each other? Going through our Twitter DMs, going through my fucking saved posts on Instagram. It's great stuff. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we're trying Uh, to have fun with it. True content creators. We're looking for content always. Yeah, or listener questions or anything like that. Those are always fun, and we can take so much time to like answer them. We'll like if it's the smallest question in the world, we'll go down a rabbit hole and spend twenty minutes. Doing yeah, and we'll make you feel special for it. So you'll yeah. get a name shout out, personal name shout out. <laughs> we'll uh, increase your follower account. <laughs> we got a we got a brand going on over here. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, as always, follow us on Twitter at tipping underscore pitches. Uh, email us tippingpitchespod at gmail.com go listen to us on Radio Public uh, Radio Public is kind of making some moves I've seen a, like the Daily has partnered with Radio Public like they post their link on the newyorktimes.com which is crazy um, yeah. if you don't know Radio Public it's just a podcast app we make a very 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 small amount of money every time you listen to us on there and that's pretty cool so uh, tell your friends and yeah that's all I got for you this week thanks for listening you guys we'll see you next week all I know is they wanted to move without me how they used to doubt me but you can't pronounce me like is that Nick Young or is that Nick Cannon it is Nick wait hold on I thought it was Nick Young if you search oh it is Nick Young if you search the Nick if you search Nick Cannon meme that also comes up though they look a lot alike (laughs) 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 <laughs> yeah, they actually do. <laughs>